0: Welcome to Week 10 of Game Theory and Money. Cynthia Freeland, Matt Money-Smith here. If you are just checking in for the first time, A, we appreciate it, and B, a big thanks to all of those that are spreading the word. What is different about this podcast? Well, really, it's Cynthia. Uh, She and her predictive analytics background, degrees, MBA, Northwestern, big brain, 10,000 simulations, and a product of that is what you will glean from your listening to the next 45 minutes to an hour. In a minute, we will use those 10,000 simulations to preview the games in week 10 to uh, help you be more educated. But first, Cynthia, why don't you uh, walk us through playoff odds because here we are through uh, eight, some teams' nine games of the season and how the playoff picture is rounding into shape.
1: So my model takes into consideration both current results, what has already happened, and then the leading metrics in order to be more predictive of the playoffs. So which are the most important factors that are most indicative of making the playoffs and then having a chance to make it to the Super Bowl? So kind of broke it down like that. I'll take a picture of this and tweet it out so everyone can see Perfect. But basically we have in the AFC, it goes Steelers, Patriots, Chiefs, Jags, Titans, Bills right now.
0: And as we're looking at the divisions, you have the Steelers, the Pats, the Chiefs, And the Jaguars winning their division.
1: Yep, they're all winning their divisions. And then I have the Ravens and Chargers just outside. But look at the the Chargers' odds to win the division are not very high. They're going to need to rely on the wild card in that case.
0: And that right now is held by the Titans and Bills in your projection, which when you look at the bottom half, you see the top half Steelers-Patriots-Chiefs, you say, okay. (laughs) You look at the bottom three teams and you're like, Jags, Titans, and Bills, I mean, that is just what a wacky first half of the season it's been.
1: Well, Steelers, Patriots, and Chiefs are over 92% chance to make the playoffs, all three of those teams, with each one being 88% or better chances to win their division. So those all make sense. The Jags have this great opportunity to make the playoffs 86.7% in my model, but division 673 So if you look at kind of, that's the one where you're starting to see the, the decline there, and then you see their Super Bowl, making it to the Super Bowl odds are the lowest of those four. So It all kind of – it starts to make sense after that.
0: Is there any – do you build any recency bias kind of into your projections, like the fact the Chiefs have lost three of their last four? They don't look nearly as dominating the team they were in the first four weeks. I'm sure it obviously takes into consideration what the remaining schedule is. But what about play as of late? Is it more heavily weighted – than maybe the the play at the start of the season.
1: Past four games are kind of, think about it as double-weighted. That's not exactly right, but it's a good way to think about it. So past four games, trends and personnel changes, who's injured, who's not, weigh more heavily in the model. Actually borrows from a hedge fund strategy. That's kind of a nerdy thing to add in there. But ultimately, when you're looking at those past four games, and that it slides, so it'll be the next four, the next four, the next four, until – you know those kind of wonky week 17, week 16 games where people are not necessarily doing their normal trends. they are maybe resting people. So kind of think about it until about week, you know, let's call it week 15. Past four games overweighted. So
0: that makes sense. I mean, the, the fact that Chiefs are five and three, and the next nearest team to them is four and five, it makes sense that they have a 92% shot at the playoffs. Also, and I want to point out in the 88% of a- the division. Right.
1: I want to point out in the AFC, seven of tw- seven of the 16 teams are 500 or better whereas in the NFC, which we're switching to, it's 12 of the 16 teams are right. fi- are 500 or better. So on that side, Eagles are kind of a lot higher relatively to the other teams in the potential division um, winners as well as making the playoffs. So it goes Eagles, Seahawks, Saints, Rams, Vikings, Panthers right now with the Cowboys and Lions just on the outside.
0: Before, Hold on, before we get yeah, to yeah. that, just because I'm, I'm looking at the Jags yeah, at 86% at Jags. and 67% to win the division – um, I know they're, a, they're one game ahead of the Titans right now, but the Titans thumped them in their only meeting of the season. So does head-to-head then factor in when you're trying to sort out who's going to win the division? Because obviously, even though they're a game behind them, as it stands right now, yeah, they still have to play again in Week 17, but that game's at Tennessee, and, and they would own 17. the tiebreaker, and it's right. Week 17. So how does that – does that come into play, or is that maybe too convoluted to get into a playoff predicting model?
1: So, think about it like this your schedule, like overall schedule, obviously the most heavily weighted thing, and the teams you face and your opportunity to win each individual one of those games, those are added together first, and then it's kind of weighted within your division. Yes, the Titans have the tiebreaker, the head to head in this case, but if you look at that, that's why that's what drives their potential chance to win the division higher than you might see had they not Yeah,
0: and I mean them. I just look at it as yeah the Titans have the head-to-head win but the Jaguars certainly look like a much better team than the Titans
1: and right it's, now and it's actually interesting to see like one of the cool stats here is the defense they're the Jags defense is holding opponents to the fewest points per game and allowing the fewest passing yards per game in teams that hold so it's 14.6 points per game there's, like, some fun playoff stuff right. that, like, you almost always make the playoffs if you're not yeah, people to score more than 15 goes into
0: points. Your model. All right, sorry. I interrupted you with the, no, uh, the NFC there, so let's reset that. The yep. NFC teams right now that your model shows will make the playoffs.
1: Eagles, Seahawks. That's one that kind of... Instead of the probably, Rams to win yo, the division. Saints, Rams, Vikings, Panthers. Now, I want to point out, the difference between the Seahawks potentially winning the division and the Rams is 52.9 to 47.1.
0: And I wonder if that head-to-head victory comes into play That's there. Exactly. Because, there it was. That is
1: exactly yeah. what comes into play there. And also, you have to realize that the things that the Seahawks are doing, the reliance on Russell Wilson... He's leading the league in 21-plus passes. He's leading the league in terms of quarterbacks in rushes of 10 or more, which you usually see, like, a Cam Newton do that. And we know he's this dual threat. But the difference is is if they can get a little pressure off of Russell Wilson... Yeah, they have no running game. Right, and increase the running game. And in one very small sample size, but with Dwayne Brown, even in a loss against the Redskins... You did see they improved their yards per carry by almost two yards, and the pressure on Russell Wilson went down. He had almost a half a second more in the pocket to throw. I know it's just one game, but this is the type of thing when you're watching tonight on Thursday Night Football, take a look at that. If Russell Wilson on first down, first down especially, if Russell Wilson can not have to be the explosive playmaker on first down, then they have a much better chance.
0: So with the Rams, uh, they are 5-0 and on the road. Now yep. four of those games were road games. One was in London, which is a designated it's Rams a home game. So, so because they're 1-2 and two at home, do you then not weigh the home schedule more favorable because they have a better road? I know it's weird, but I don't know, you know if it's just numbers and you're plugging these variables in. I wonder if it doesn't value the Rams' home schedule as much as maybe it should because they have a worse home-winning percentage than they do on the road.
1: I don't look at their home and away percentages, especially given that they're in a new stadium. It's only their second season at the Coliseum, so their home and away. I'm going to say it's a small sample size. The weather is favorable, so the the factors that they can, you know, like can make a big difference, like how often there's wind or how often they're dealing with elements. There's obviously not as much of that in Southern California, but to me the home and away isn't as important as it is who they're actually facing and both the Seahawks and the Rams Rams face more difficult second half schedules
0: considerably
1: correct than first half so that actually weighs more heavily than kind of this home away and it is amazing what they've been able to do kind of with this they've traveled the most yards most yards yes because it's also traveled the most miles so (laughs) inherently the most yards
0: (laughs) whatever unit you want to put it in it's still the most and speaking of which I buried the lead you had a lengthy conversation Ugh. with uh, Andrew Whitworth. He's the like my standout Goonies. Left I know. you, uh, And and I had a chance to listen to it. It's a great conversation. We'll get that to you in a minute. Um, but just one last thing on the, the, uh, the playoff picture for the NFC, the Cowboys, the yep. obvious question. What did you do with Ezekiel Elliott in the model? How did you play that?
1: So the way that I played it was obviously nobody knows the future. This crystal ball of, like, confusing legal words that I'm not a lawyer. I have no idea. Like, I just know – Please just tell me—is he playing or not? Like, let's keep it binary. <laughs> so the way that I have it modeled right now is that at some point a six-game suspension is going to happen, and that's we think. Well, but again, this is the way it's modeled right now. Then, right. so what happens is each week it just pushes it out, so it kind of becomes one of those things where so we've got they've got eight games left. So right now it's like this week it's fifty percent he's playing, fifty percent he is. So isn't. did you
0: model with him in this week? I did. We have okay. we
1: have two different. Well, we have two different. I did I did it both ways for you. So, right. and so we didn't get burned like last week yes, that I've, I've exactly. modeled it, I've modeled it both ways. But for each each game, it's fifty percent yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, until six games and it just keeps pushing out until you know what we finally hear what is ultimately going to happen so the way that it stands in the model right now their chances the Cowboys chances of making the playoffs are lessened but their chances of making the Super Bowl because in this model six we reject him back in the playoffs so they actually have the fifth best chances of making it to the Super Bowl although they're outside of the playoffs I mean it's 42 percent so they're not way outside of the playoffs but it's just kind of this funny like it's not a math problem it's a is Zeke gonna play or not because look he's the best at getting his team first downs of any other player in the national football league first downs control the clock controlling the clock means you're have a better chance of scoring points scoring points wins games that those are the things that kind of influence this model
0: Uh, and then the one obvious thing just because it is such a quarterback driven league uh, just looking at the Jags knowing that Marcus Mariota hasn't been great this season Tyrod Taylor is kind of in the bottom three in a lot of quarterbacking categories but all three of those teams are projected to make the playoffs so the obvious question is can you make and, and according to your model I guess you can you can make the playoffs with an average to below average quarterback
1: so you see with the Jags especially that their opportunity to win the Super Bowl goes down so they're like 6.7 percent so to a put that good number it's it compared compared to let's see, the Vikings at 4.1 and the Cowboys at 4.7 percent right. that's kind of it's kind of amazing but Ultimately, what happens is is your inability to consistently have a deep passing threat, especially in playoff games, changes your opportunity to win. So it lessens your ability to win those games. However, when your defense is just rolling in the way that they are and the pressure that they're putting on opposing quarterbacks, it still keeps you in the game.
0: All right. Um, well, that is your playoff picture. We'll do that every single week. And uh, I will tweet
1: out a picture of this because it's a lot of confusing numbers.
0: It's not, though. I mean, the, the way it lays out, it sounds right. confusing when you speak it, but right. when you see it. It really does kind of lay out well. I just think there's a couple of those questions that that you know I, I wonder specifically Cowboys and Zeke, uh, home versus road, and then how head-to-heads play in because we know and those Cowboys, tiebreakers. By the
1: way, home versus away, not a thing. Yeah. In their new stadium. Not at all. It's it's not it's not statistically relevant at least yet. They haven't had like they've actually, if anything, they've kind of had worse results. But it's not the same team as they were when they first
0: started. So. I'm sure it'll look completely different by next week. <laughs> All right, that brings us to the matchup of the week. And we are going, the leaders in the NFC North, 6-2, and two, Minnesota Vikings running with a four-game win streak against the coming off a big victory at Seattle, 4-4, four four, third in the NFC East, Washington Redskins. Cynthia, winner and score.
1: I have the winner, Minnesota, 23-21.
0: Okay, Why?
1: (laughs) First of all, Minnesota's defense. The biggest flag in my model is that they're the number one in terms of fewest big plays given up this season. Big plays are kind of how Kirk Cousins has been able to make these fourth quarter, you know, magic happen. Despite which, pretty funny this year, like how often he's spreading the ball around.
0: Kirk Cousins. Yeah, he has to. His receivers have been terrible.
1: Right. And, well, not only that, but they've all been hurt. I, hurt. I shouldn't
0: say terrible. Crowder's been hurt. Reed's hurt. Pryor's been terrible. And, <laughs> I mean, you're seeing a new sort of crew of receivers making their way in. And, and, you know, that's a credit to Kirk Cousins that he's making do with whatever he has to work with.
1: It's just going to be really hard in this game because those big plays, so just to define big plays, rushes of more than 10 yards or passes of more than 20 yards. That includes yards after contact and yards after the catch. So those aren't air or, you know, pure. Yeah, just.
0: From scrimmage to completion. From scrimmage
1: to when the play ends. So Washington is number six overall on offense in these big play categories. And I just don't know where, when I look at the matchups and I try to see who he's going to be passing or rushing the ball with, apart from Chris Thompson, who, by the way, has the most yards after the catch for any running back, this season and it's like a hundred more so he has 465 yards after what
0: they're leading rusher and receiver yeah yeah he's pretty good yeah Yeah.
1: but the next closest in terms of the (laughs)
0: rest of them are really bad it's it's or maybe a combination (laughs) of both right
1: half glass half full or half empty glass Exactly. the next closest in the entire league though is uh christian mccaffrey with 361 so it's over 100 yards after the catch more than the next closest that's kind of a cool statistic for this one but i just don't know so you got everson griffin he's going to give you double some double
0: digit sacks already yep.
1: um daniel hunter xavier rhodes and harrison smith at the safety position has kind of been underrated He's like kind of low-key awesome i don't know if there's anyone who's playing safety better than him week in and week out it does help that he has xavier rhodes and you know like all of these other people to help him like linval joseph with the run stops and anthony barr the linebacker position i don't know where they're going at to every level of defense success.
0: It, it might be the most complete defense <laughs> in the nfl i mean that that you think about the jaguars but no question. The one thing I don't like um, is the the stats of how poorly quarterbacks are faring against them. Because, <laughs> you don't like
1: the zero for 4 if thrown for 200, yeah. none of, whatever, yeah. That's because, stuff.
0: because who are the quarterbacks? It's Deshaun <laughs> Kaiser, it's Mitch Trubisky, it's Brett Hundley, and it's Joe Flacco. So, well, yeah, I mean, you, you're t- when you have a stretch and three of the four quarterbacks are Trubisky, Kaiser, And Hundley, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Kaiser was able to complete 121-plus air yard completion (laughs) against them. That's actually the only one.
0: And it was just a Hail Mary (laughs) probably at the end of like a, a half.
1: Right. The thing that's interesting about Kirk Cousins this season is his number 18 ranking on third down. That's the one that flags as a really big...
0: Problem. You hate Kirk Cousins. It's like the only negative stat he has. Everything else, he's like top five, and you bring up third downs. Are those important? Is it important to keep a drive alive? Listen,
1: (laughs) maybe. I I don't know. Maybe. It's it's unclear. We'll see. Now, I want to kind of warn against on the other side of the ball. I don't think this is going to be a Teddy Bridgewater game. People, I I don't know if we're going to see him very much at all this season. So, Case Keenum has been getting the job done and more, right? So, this is not like we're not going to throw, they're not going to throw. Teddy Bridgewater in there with Josh Norman. Like, just so be careful. Everyone's really excited that he's coming back, and as they should be, he's fun, he's great. Like, it was so awful to see him go down, but, I mean, look, they they don't get overzealous and crazy, and he doesn't have that relationship with the receivers yet, so they're going to keep Case Keenum in there. Like, come on. Like, (laughs) I'm surprised to get that question so much.
0: I would guess the the key is what we mentioned last week, and that is how does Kirk Cousins fare with an offensive line that is down four of its five starters week in and week out? Uh, and they managed. They And, you know, the defense was good enough last week against the Seahawks. Um, but as crazy as it Bull, may sound. Well, listen,
1: the Seahawks also missed three field goals. That's,
0: so, missed three field goals. Right. No running game. Jared None. McKinnon's been great uh, in the absence of, of Dalvin Cook. So... I think it's probably a lot of the same narrative that you brought up last week with the concerns surrounding the Redskins' offense.
1: But do keep in mind Chris Thompson, fully playable in fantasy, as is whoever's playing for them in terms of wide receiver. It's a good option because they're going to need to throw the ball because in my model they're playing from behind.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I I look at Everson Griffin, that defensive front, Anthony Barr, you know, as a a rush end, rush linebacker, and uh, it's, it's very hard to pick against the Vikings who are riding that defense and you hope it doesn't come apart like it has the last couple seasons in the second half. All right, from there we go to the Freeland forecast. Cynthia, uh, let's get started with two of the more surprising teams, not necessarily because they're – well, I think in the case of the Bills because of their record, but in the case of the Saints because of how they're doing it. So, Saints, Bills, in Buffalo, winner and score.
1: The winner, I have the Saints, 25-22. So part of the reason that I really like New Orleans in this one is because they have at least three players on defense with more than twenty pressures. So Sheldon Rankin, Alex Okafor, and of course Cam Jordan leads the team with thirty-nine. So pressure against the Bills. Now the Bills, the Bills O-line has been playing well, except we, Thursday night last week we did see kind of a recipe for. A getting around that great O-line, but they have been playing much better this season. So, for me, the, the Saints defense, obviously just the difference maker in this one.
0: Yeah, Marshawn Lattimore, the, uh, oh. the rookie, a big product of uh, that as well. I mean, one you, of the best cover corners in his rookie season in the league right now.
1: When a quarterback throws a, a ball on the ground, do you know what passer rating they get?
0: When they throw, hold on, say that so again. So, when,
1: when a quarterback just, like, downs the ball, do you know what what the passer rating they what get? What is it? 39.6. Do you know what passer rating Marshawn Lattimore is allowing opposing pass catchers to have against him?
0: 39.5. It's like 36.4. There you go. So,
1: like, you're better off.
0: Grounding the ball. Downing the ball than you are trying to throw into Marshawn Lattimore's coverage. Yeah, he's been great. Um, there's no question. And then that's, you know, something that the Saints have been trying to figure out for a while, you know, how to field a defense that can keep up. Um, with their offense that's regularly putting them out the field because you would have these quick scoring drives from Drew Brees, right? And their defense would get tired and they just didn't have the personnel. But now they've sort of figured out this balance where they have a running game, their sustaining drives, their time of possession. I think that's what people maybe forget is it's time of possession isn't really that important when you're – t- and Oregon was the team that really kind of brought this to light. When you would look at their time of possession versus their opponents in the Pac-12 when they were dominating the conference – they were holding the ball for maybe 15, 18 minutes per game, and they were winning 65 to 20 because their scoring drives were a minute 50. In college, you can rotate guys in. In mm-hmm. the pros, you don't have that advantage, and that's what really was hurting the Saints. But now they have this balance, and you're seeing the defense you know, flourish because of it.
1: So I want you to notice something when you're watching the game this week. So when you see Alvin Kamara, under when when the Saints line up and they're under center and Alvin Kamara's in the backfield, they rush on almost all the time. It's like 42 of 52 uh times that that's happened they've rushed the ball but when they're in the shotgun or the pistol Kamara and Kamara's on the field then they pass to him so they have a tell like, you, can, you know exactly, like, what's going to happen. Like, it, he's, it's very, like, aligned. Sometimes they try to trick you, like Christian right. McCaffrey will try to trick you. So they'll line up under center, and then they'll throw it to McCaffrey on a seam, whatever.
0: Right. Well, but- and that's how the pistol, you know, and, and shout out to Chris Ault from Nevada who brought the pistol to us. Um, you know, that's how it can be effective is even though you think you're going to throw, you still have to honor the run because it's – Even though it's in the shotgun, it's still available. Uh, Kamara's been great, no, no question, and one of the stars of the Combine. And ever since they traded Adrian Peterson, you see the explosion of Mark Ingram as well. Um, and the Bills' rush defense is really good. So it's yes, going to be Jerry fun. Hughes. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch that that head-to-head battle.
1: And then the safeties, their cornerback, Tredavious White, he's been playing really well. Mike Hyde and Jordan Poirier, their safeties are really good as well. And for the Bills, I want to point out one thing about Kelvin Benjamin before we move on to the next game. Kelvin Benjamin lined up a lot in the slot. So we talked about his potential, the potential difference there. That could be maybe one matchup to exploit in this game. His big body, 6'5", if they line him up in the slot like that, could actually open up the Bills' running game a little bit. A bit better which would be great to have them have a more sustained run game
0: uh i'm gonna go with the bills they're undefeated at home um I like it. i'm just gonna say you know it's close game you have a 25 22 i do
1: think the Bills will keep it, keep it bills very direction. close yeah.
0: so i'll say uh I, I like tyrod i know his stats say that he's not one of the best like quarterbacks too. in the league but he does what he's asked to do
1: i like tyrod yeah. too
0: so I'll, I'll say tyrod game he has a big one and the bills get out with the victory all right let's go bengals titans winner score winner titans
1: score 23 17 so, low-scoring game? It's a low-scoring game. The Tennessee Titans are the only team that have a winning record and a negative point differential. So that's an indicator for, you know, this this is where you could get into some trouble.
0: Okay, wait. I'm going to jump in there. Yep. Because I'm thinking back to the Texans game that they lost.
1: By like a bajillion.
0: 57 to like 10 or a something. Bajillion. Mm-hmm. So what's their point differential?
1: Minus 12. Okay. So, so you you're talking about games.
0: a 40-point loss in right. one game. And then that no longer exists. I know it's, right. you still have to count it, you, but at the well, same time, when you do those aggregates, I think you can get caught with something like that because that was a single game where they lost. I think they lost by like 40 points.
1: Well, I still have them making the playoffs, so it's sure. not the biggest deal. The point is, is it means clo- it typically means closer victories because if you have a negative point differential, yeah, you got blown out by the Texans, okay. But if you have, there's still been enough games to maybe kind of get back into like negative or, or positive. You know what I mean? Through eight like, games, right? So the point It'll, is, is that. Now. Right, exactly. So the one thing that I love on this is the Tennessee Titans have the fewest drop passes as a team by percentage. So that's great if you're looking at Oh Corey Davis who's returning. That really he's returned and he's kind right. of Rashard
0: Matthews has been good for Rashard Matthews, Delaney you know. Walker
1: being playing is a big help for them because you know they like to use their tight ends very differently and you know chip. More blocks, often. Yeah,
0: one of the better blocking tight ends. Well, I guess one of the better all-around tight ends, I should right. say, because he can catch as well.
1: Right. So of course, I want to point out their third down stats because you know I like the third down stats. It's an
0: important down. <laughs>
1: they're ranked 28th in the NFL. Eef. Last season they were third in this metric. That's a big drop-off. That's something that needs to change if in order for them to make a real push to get into the playoffs. And then their red zone drives. So they're you know, fifty percent of red zone drives end up in a touchdown okay, that's 19th, That's so it's about average. But last season they were first, and 72% of the time they were able to score a touchdown when they got into the red zone.
0: Yeah, the one thing that's encouraging, I think, for the Titans is that even though the stats aren't there, and I think it's just fantasy-driven, you know, DeMarco Murray's not, uh, a, you know, an RB1 this year. Derrick Henry, you're still scratching your head. They're still rushing the ball for over four yards per right. carry. So it seems like this – to me, the offense feels like it's a team – that we're just waiting for healthy Mariota, you know? And I think we're getting for that there. dual threat the, Mariota the, to come the
1: back. Indicators, the indicators are there, like that, it's, that he's on the upswing. Is he getting healthier? Like, you know, you rush yards per game. You can see it's been increasing in the past few games. So those things are all positive indicators. On the other side of the ball, I just want to quickly point out that Andy Dalton has thrown eight interceptions so far this season, which was the same that he had in all of last season. and he only had seven in 2015.
0: What's he missing there? Is it somebody that you might be talking to in about ten minutes on this podcast? Is, uh-huh. Oh, well, it turns out when you take a good tackle away, an all-pro, that uh, maybe things get a little tougher for someone. Oh, just a little just bit. Just a little bit. Just a, just a little bit. Yeah. Um,
1: the, I do want to point out that Kevin, again, you have to help me with his last name, B-Y-A-R-D, Bard, Bayard. Oh, yeah, the interception
0: yep. leader. Our yeah, man. so
1: – it's, it's kind of amazing to see someone with six interceptions, five in the past two games, and then Andy Dalton. So to me, that's I'm just trying to, you know, a little indicator there, there of potential go. interception Keep going on there. Keep an eye on that on connection.
0: There. Throw it to the guy in the black and orange, Andy, not the guy <laughs> in the uh, – I'm with you. I'll take the Titans. I, I, I think you're right that, that Mariota is starting to show those flashes. And once he comes back, I think this could end up being your AFC South winner. Uh, ahead of the Jaguars all right let's get to our next game the uh, Chargers travel east again for uh, that 10 a.m pacific time kick against the Jaguars winner and score Cynthia
1: winner Jacksonville sorry money That's score 24 okay. 19
0: I don't take it personally
1: when do you have to leave
0: uh, we leave Friday okay Friday afternoon try to settle in it it, it does look it does affect a the team there is no denying and and for shame on the NFL for the schedule this year where they have the AFC West playing the AFC East and the NFC East and teams that go from the Pacific time zone to the Eastern time zone. You're talking about a wake up call. That's about 5 a.m., 4 a.m. their time and football players like to be on schedule and that is not their schedule. So it's understandable Uh, that they rarely – you saw it happen to the Raiders against the Bills. I mean, it rarely works out in a West Coast team's favor. It's a big advantage for the Jaguars, no question.
1: So we're going to play a game, and I played it with Andrew Whitworth, but it's more or less, and it's going to be a fun game with you of sacks, okay? So you've got – the sack leader, Jacksonville. I thought
0: Andrew was being very humble, by the way. I think he knew the answers to your questions, <laughs> but he was just being self-deprecating a little bit. Like, I know how good I am, but I'm not going to answer in the manner <laughs> in which you are looking. But, yes, let's play the game, more All or right.
1: less. So, who's going to have more sacks? So, you've got Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe, 17.5 combined, Mm-hmm. sacks right they're yep. the sack leader in the NFL number two Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram sack behind S- half a sack behind so who's gonna have more sacks in this one
0: um I think it, it I'm gonna get I'm not gonna answer your question directly I think it will depend on who gets the lead I think the Chargers have got to get a lead in this game you
1: know, oh and they have to go early and because, yes, yes they will
0: have to get a lead early so they force Blake Bortles to have to pass and if they do that I you know the Rams got five sacks against them I know the Jaguars have only allowed 11 sacks all season But you look at the one defensive line they faced that is an elite defensive line and they had their way. And it's because the Rams got a lead and they were able to kind of get after him a little bit because Bortles just holds onto the ball. He does. Um, He doesn't get sacked because he doesn't throw it. They're running a lot. And most of his passes are short uh, to not put him in that, that problem. But if the Chargers can get a lead, then yeah, you're going to see those two guys get after him. The Chargers pass protection has been really good. Hasn't been a really good run blocking line, but it's been a very good pass blocking line. So my guess is whichever team gets that lead is the team that's going to get the sacks because they're going to get sacks, one right. side or the other. Do
1: you? What do you think the total amount of sacks in this game is going to be?
0: Combined? Combined, both I'll, teams together. I'll go low. I'll say, I'll say six combined. Oh,
1: I was saying seven, so, yeah. I, so I had seven yeah. combined.
0: I'm sure there's people out there that would project like, oh, how about 12? 12, no, it's nope. going to be seven. one side versus the other that's going to end up with the sacks.
1: Okay, so Melvin Gordon and Leonard Fournette. Gordon averages 20.1 touches and Fournette 24.2. Who's going to be the back with the bigger fantasy day?
0: Uh, I would probably lean Fournette because they're charged. It's it's just such a hard game to project because Denzel Perryman's back. So when you think about the cover three, think about how important Bobby Wagner is. I'm not saying Denzel (laughs) Perryman is Bobby Wagner, but he is by far their best tackler on the team and their best linebacker, and he's coming back this week. Now, he's had 10 weeks off, so what does that mean for him? How many snaps can he play? How effective is he? But that's a huge difference. I think they're gonna run blitz. They're gonna play man on the outside and say, come get us, Blake. You know, but I think they're gonna run blitz the gaps. You're gonna see a whole lot of safety in the box. Um, and and that that's the only way to beat him. So if Fournette has the more yardage, I think they'll end up winning that game.
1: So my one last note on this game is that the Jags have only allowed three receptions of twenty plus air yards and none since week five, and that was against Pittsburgh, that's the league's lowest passer rating on deep balls. It's like 17, passer rating of under 17, and only four passing touchdowns allowed. However, Hunter Henry, in my model. Middle of the field. Middle of the field. Hunter Henry projects to be – I mean, i, I do not want to say he's a sleeper because we know he's very good, but in terms
0: of gonna have to tight end Henry projections
1: – Hunter Henry projects to have a very good tight end fantasy. It'll be
0: interesting day. to see if this is a Mike Williams game as well. If they line him up inside in that slot, almost play him like a second tight end and, and try to attack there. Because, like you said, on the outside with Boyer and Ramsey. Be interesting to see whether or not Keenan Allen and Ramsey tangle, much like uh, AJ Green, because Keenan is a very physical receiver and a very emotional. person.
1: I was about to say, does he? Have you ever talked to him? Have you ever asked him like what kind of words he says during games? Because I'd love to hear it.
0: Yeah, we'll find out. We'll I'll, find uh, out. I'll report back next week. Thank I'll uh, ask Keenan after the game. All right, final one: uh, Cowboys Falcons in our Freeland forecast. Winner and score.
1: This is the choose your own adventure game. Okay. If you do not see Zeke Elliott listed, on- I will
0: fight the zombie. And then I will turn right and face the abominable turn snowman. to
1: page 84.
0: Yes, exactly. All right. So,
1: if you do not, Zeke, no Zeke, no Zeke, we have Atlanta 25, Cowboys 24.
0: Okay. Zeke,
1: 27, 22,
0: Cowboys. Yeah. I mean, he's he's that important. Right. I think they could, I still think they could win without him. Um, I. I, I they
1: certainly can win without A- Atlanta him.
0: Atlanta just looks. You know, that this is, there's no numbers, obviously, with this. They just – it doesn't look right. It looks like there's a lot of finger pointing at Sark. Devontae Freeman has now had a bad stretch of about four or five games. And we and when you're relying
1: know, on him, when right. he's such a huge part of your offensive game plan and it's not the type of production that gets you the yards that you need and you play at this incredibly slow pace, that's a recipe for – it's not gonna if you get behind, you're not gonna be able to catch back up. And that's what we've seen happen with the Falcons. They play at the slow pace. And I, I don't mean pace like went how quickly they're taking snaps, but like they have the fewest drive, you know, they the amount of drives we went over this last week. Fewest drives. Drives, they hold on to the ball a lot. If it doesn't result in the touchdown, it's 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 not going to be something where they're able to pick it back up. And without Julio Jones really become, being the Julio Jones we've come to expect him to be it's very difficult for Matt Ryan to kind of get back into the swing. And you know, that's you see this increase in interceptions, you see all of these things where you're just not getting this offense that you're used to.
0: And you wonder how much of that is targets, you know, and, and that is on Sark, you know, and, and him not being able to figure out how to get Julio Moore involved in the game. I mean, he's probably the toughest match in all of football when it comes to slowing down a wide receiver. And the targets just aren't there. I mean, that's, that's the head scratcher of them all.
1: I mean, so when you look to see, like, what's going on in, in my – so when I take a, take a look at it, if you look at to see, okay, so first on defense, they're not helping them out. Fewest, like, tied for the fewest takeaways. They only have six. So they're coming – bad field position to start with. Then you're not giving your deep threat targets to the same degree and volume and opportunity that you usually do. Then you're you're and you're getting this no chunk yardage with Devontae Freeman. Not no, but compared to what we saw last season, then you're going to be in this situation where you're throwing more dangerous third downs, and that's what we've seen. We see this dramatic decrease in Matt Ryan's overall passer rating, like 25 points, which is a very significant decrease overall. And you just don't see them being able to win games, close games out. So that's to me. They got the Julio Jones. I, I'm curious, is he hurt? Like. I I feel like this is one of those things where after the season we're going to hear something like he was battling a hamstring or something crazy like that. But I have to give some shine because I like you know the O line. I'm my like obsession Fantastic. with the O line. So both O lines have things to be happy about. The right tackle for the Falcons has a very great rating on under pressure, so he doesn't let Matt Ryan get pressured from the offensive right, like top five in the league in that metric. And on Dallas, the right guard we're without. You know, the amazing right guard in, in Baltimore, Zach Martin, number one right guard in terms of pass protection. So, I mean, these are some things that are interesting and to watch and when you're the That allows the
0: Dak to be, you know, it, it certainly helps a young quarterback be as, as great as Dak has been. And he's been one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL since he got the start. I mean, there, there's just no disputing that. Yes, he's young, and yes, it's an Ezekiel Elliott team, but... Dak's been fantastic. Um, and then the flip side of that, and I mean, well, it's literally the flip side of the team, their defense. <laughs> right. Um, you know, since the return of, of Daniel Irving and you have Demarcus Lawrence, who's the sacks leader. Yep. Sean Lee's return has had a huge impact. Yep. You know, and they're playing with a lead, you know, and that's the big difference. It seems like the that's, Cowboys I love when people.
1: I love that. That's so funny when they're, they're like, their defense is so much different. like, so different when you're playing with yeah. a lead. Turns out it helps. Turns out it helps. Just Do ask it, the
0: Colts when they played for Peyton Manning.
1: You know, one comp that I've, that has been popping up in my model is the comp between Vic Beasley last year and Demarcus Lawrence. Yes, they're both, you know, right up there in terms of sack leaders. Like, you know, Demarcus Lawrence is number two with ten and a half, you know, just behind Calais Campbell's eleven. But the point is, is it's the number of pressures and how often they're turning into sacks. Both Vic Beasley last season, like, had a disproportionate number of sacks versus the number of total pressures he was getting, like, way too high. So that will come back down. Too many sacks per pressure. Too many sacks per pressure, and that's exactly what Demarcus Lawrence is having happen too. They have very similar kind of, you know, pressure and sack outcomes, which means that it's probably not sustainable. So the, it's a good thing that David Irving's back and Sean Lee's back because you need people to help out DeMarcus Lawrence. Because, again, those won't all keep turning into sacks going forward.
0: Yeah, and I saw, I was just trying to pull up that number. David Irving, one and a half sacks per game since his return. And that's, you know, it's it goes back to our conversation about, uh, and you can have it about the Jags and Fowler yep. or Gockway or Campbell yep. or Bosa and Ingram. When you have two, Changes everything. Word. You know, yep. It changes. It Just look at the Raiders and Khalil Mack. It changes everything just because Bruce Irvin hasn't done it this year. Just think
1: of the Broncos with DeMarcus Ware and um, Vaughn Miller together. They had like a 12% sack rate. That was ridiculous. Right. Like That was insane. And by the way, they had it for like half a season, <laughs> Yeah, which is crazy.
0: But and when you have two. And it changes because Shane Ray was injured. And look at the Broncos' defense. I mean, look right. at what has happened to that team when they didn't have – That second pass rusher. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm with you. I take the Cowboys, uh, but again, I'll take them regardless. If they can get this ruling to come down and it's not on appeal and the suspension isn't vacated and then the NFL appeals the appeal and then they get the suspension reinstated, it's a mess, but I'll go uh, either way. Um, (laughs) I'll take the Cowboys because I took the Chiefs last week and it bit Got bit because Zeke came back, and boy. Well, we
1: all got bit. Mean, yes, exactly. On the pod, we got bit on that.
0: On the pod. yeah. But I think we all knew how we would feel if we had known that Ezekiel was going to play. <laughs> all right, you big brain listeners, how about this? Uh, you're smart. You're looking to hire some folks. What if we could help you make that process easier? Streamline it, less time-consuming, so you're busy running your business, but you're also being smart about the way you hire. Zip Recruiter is what we are talking about. You post your job. To over 100 of the web's leading job boards, it's just a single click. You rest, you stay busy, you operate your business, knowing your job is being seen by the right candidate. ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work. They actively notify qualified candidates about your job within minutes of your posting, so you get the best possible matches. 80 percent—that's a that's a good number, right, Cynthia? 80 yes. percent. We that, like that number. That would be positive. Of employers who post on ZipRecruiter, get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. That also a good metric. 80% single day. Right now, Game Theory and Money listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. For free. You go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Game Theory. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash Game Theory. And you can find out why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Again, you are smart people. Why do things inefficiently? This is the way to go at ZipRecruiter.com slash Game Theory. Zip Recruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, Cynthia, before we get to your uh, conversation and a candid and very intriguing conversation with Andrew Whitworth, let's do a pick a minute. We'll try to get through these eight games in eight minutes. Let's see if we can do it. We'll start with Jets, Buccaneers, winner score.
1: Winner Jets score 22-21. I just want to say all you have to do here when you figure out who to replace Mike Evans' volume with in terms of fantasy value, here's my upside picks. Brait, Martin, d Jax, Humphreys,
0: Howard. Is it in that order? It's is, in that so order. So, Breit, number one. Breit, tight ends have been a pain in fantasy, so this is mm-hmm. a start for you, okay?
1: Brait, Martin, Deshaun Jackson, Humphreys. Humphreys is probably the one that could be available on your okay. on your waiver wire. Howard, and then...
0: And I would say flip side, Josh McCown's been great fantasy-wise. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he has been as steady a fantasy quarterback all season as you could have. When you look at some of the peaks and valleys. Absolutely. Some of the bigger-name quarterbacks. McCown has been great. And Robbie Anderson.
1: And by the way, Jets are a good defense this week in fantasy if you need yeah, to stream one. Yeah, the Bucs have
0: been probably the biggest disappointment this season. All right, Browns, Lions, winner, score.
1: Winner, Detroit Lions, score, 28-18. Okay, OK, Tate in the slot. Amazing. Jones outside kind of happening, sort of well, not not unexpected. We saw it for a
0: stretch last season, um, like the
1: first three games last season. Yeah. And then now it kind of seems back. And guess who's been able to sort of run the ball? The Lions.
0: Yeah, I know. If if he doesn't fumble, <laughs> he uh, very well gets that touchdown maybe. Um, and by the way, the Browns, a pretty darn good run defense with they Danny do. Shelton in the middle. So we'll see whether or not their they can get that going. Their
1: defense is not as bad. I don't I don't want to call anyone bad. It's but because they're,
0: the offense is so bad.
1: Right. Their offense know? is really the biggest problem, especially with this the Lions' defense and their ability to take the ball away. Also a good streamer if you didn't already have the Detroit Lions this week in fantasy.
0: Yeah. All right. Packers-Bears, winner, score.
1: Winner, Chicago Bears. Score. Poor Brett score. Jordan Howard, yards after contact leader in the NFL. He's been great. He's been great. He's been one of the – I don't want to say surprises, but remember in the beginning of the season we didn't know exactly how it was all going to net out in their backfield. He's been great, especially with Trubisky. We'll have to see going forward, you know, if they're going to be able to pass the ball more. But this game – I mean, they
0: just traded for Dontrell Inman during the bye week. So, you know, not that – He's, you know, Julio Jones or Des Bryant, well, but they needed to. They lost what a they had, too, so. he's someone that put up some pretty good numbers last year. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Steelers-Colts. All
1: right, Steelers. By the way,
0: I just want to say real quick, not that I'm trying to celebrate Brett Hundley, but it just shows you how important Aaron Rodgers is. No matter who the backup was going to be, that offense is, is the best quarterback in the NFL who's going to go down as one of the greatest of all time. I get that, that you're going to pile on Brett, but, my God, you just see what happens to the Packers when that guy isn't there.
1: Do you think that means $32 million? Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Whatever. Here's the blank check. Right. Just Here's fill it out. the blank check. 32 we'll, we'll take million. it to the shareholders Got and get it. it approved. Got it. Right, exactly. All right, Steelers-Colts. Steelers-Colts.
1: <laughs> Steelers-Colts. I have Pittsburgh 28, Colts 19. Higher scoring than you might example uh, or might imagine. So, for the Colts, if you want to play any in fantasy, it goes Doyle yeah, over T.Y. Isn't that funny? And T.Y. is coming off a big one. Right. Uh, then Gore, Mac, and then on the other side it goes Bell, Brown, and then Smith-Schuster. A lot of people ask me about Martavis Bryant. Stop it. That's a bad narrative. Yeah,
0: Juju's been a right, perfect like, complimentary receiver exactly. to Antonio Brown all season.
1: Right, and they, like, love him, too. So when people like each other, they – Tend to want to work together more. It's just like just like you like me so much. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and congratulations to Juju on getting his driver's license. Finally got around to doing that. Doesn't have to ride I love that it. bike anymore. So, I ready love to go, it. Juju.
1: I also want to point out the Steelers' remaining schedule, Colts, Titans, Packers, Bengals, Ravens, Patriots at home, Texans and Browns. That's part of why they have such high playoff odds. also means that if for some reason their defense is available in your fantasy league, this could get you over the hump because they don't have Patriots till week 15, which maybe your season's already over. And
0: Unfortunately this. for us, you know what it means. What does it It be? looks like they can get through that with just a single loss, and Dave Damaschek will be correct on his 13-3 projection.
1: Which will drive us all crazy. Yes,
0: and we'll have to hear it for the next year. Um, all right, Texans-Rams, winner <laughs> score.
1: Winner Rams, score 28-18. Could be even higher on the Rams side. Rams seem to be not caring about score kind of game script, and they just keep scoring points.
0: No faith in Tom Savage, and that's okay. That's totally okay. It just goes to show you how great and how unfortunate it is that Deshaun Watson got hurt because, man, was that a fun team to watch. And it just is not as much anymore. Just quick fantasy uh, you might want to put in there.
1: Yep, C.J. Fedorowicz, if he is, yes. makes his way back, if it's we, we think he's going to be playing, that could be an interesting fantasy option. The sneak attack, Fedorowicz, is a big target. We saw Tom Savage and him have a connection when they were playing together before. Could be a sneaky one if you need a tight end in fantasy. And, by the way, it goes Gurley, Woods, and Cup. That's my order. Yeah, I mean, Not Robert Watkins.
0: Woods, it looks like he's, you know, USC, even, even for those of us here in L.A., Sarah, you know, when he was in high school and he was one of the best players in all of Los Angeles. And, and that's a big product of Sammy Watkins taking the top off of a defense and mm-hmm. opening up those underneath routes that Woods has taken advantage of. All right, Giants.
1: Wait, before we get to this yeah. one, I'm just curious, before we get to giants Niners, think think um, when we're sitting here doing this pod next week, you think there's going to be the same amount of head coaches in the NFL?
0: Oh. Uh. That's a good question. I think the Bengals is the one that I'm keeping an eye on. That's, uh, that's an interesting one. The, interesting
1: why I would ask this here. Keep going.
0: Uh, how about the Giants and 49ers? <laughs> I see what you're saying there.
1: So I have the Giants winning 23-21.
0: 23-21 no. Giants, okay.
1: Yeah, but it could. this one is a very close one that the final teams injury Teams got to win a
0: game. They don't go 0-16, so teams are going to have to win a game.
1: Yeah, Ugh. Ugh. Yes. tricky. What I want you to watch for in this one, you, everyone listening, is the 49ers left tackle Trent Brown, who's replacing Joe Staley. He did look good last week, but he does face a much more difficult pass rush in the Giants. So when you're figuring out your fantasy kind of – like what you're gonna do fantasy wise take that into consideration because Cj Bethard you know Beathard, Bethard I can't say his last same for some Bobby
0: reason. Bethard's grandson oh yeah I didn't even know that yeah I did a couple Iowa games so I got the yeah uh, yeah the I did J. watch
1: there. him in Iowa but yeah. I just whatever so long story short on this one I'm that's that makes me a little scared in this one so if you want to take the Giants defense in this one that's, you know, Janoris Jenkins is back. That could be a good fantasy streamer.
0: I hate putting people out of work, but you think McAdoo's the number one? Is it? Is it Ben? Is it Dirk Cutter? Is it Marvin Lewis? Who is it in your opinion? On
1: the Dave Damaschek podcast later, I'll tell you okay. why I think that um, McAdoo's hair is actually a, a, a toupee. All
0: right, there's I, oh, that.
1: right. got to stay woke on my McAdoo there, toupee theory. There's
0: a uh, plug, podcast-to-podcast, <laughs> podcast, friendly uh, relationship here. All right. Pat's Broncos.
1: New England 28 Broncos. Okay, it says 21 on here. The point for this projection is to think that there's more points that are forecasted in this one overall and that the Patriots are going to be big winners. So, okay. I think it's going to be a lot of a So lot it could end up being think, like
0: 37 right. 17 or something like that. Okay, Maybe just, more likely. Just right. the model doesn't spit out I, the those The model would never spit victories. out
1: big victories like right. that unless something look, the Denver defense is still the Denver defense.
0: Sort of.
1: But, uh, yeah.
0: I mean, they did give up 51 points to Carson Wentz and the Eagles last week. And
1: let's be honest, we don't even really know who's playing for the Broncos offense right now. Right. Like, every one of their receivers has appeared on the injury report. So, you know, ultimately, in this one, I have the Patriots winning by a big margin.
0: All right. Dolphins, Panthers. Ugh.
1: Carolina, 25. Dolphins, 18. This one is a tricky one to map out. But— the people who flag in my model's potential for fantasy, Julius Thomas and Curtis Samuel.
0: Really? That's weird. Because <laughs> Thomas just had that last drive in which they were playing prevent. The Raiders were. Um, and they and also have great
1: linebackers. Others. The Carolina Panthers have great linebackers. It's more the usage and where they're, they were lining him up all over the field in a lot of different spots this past game that we saw against the Raiders. So what you saw in on that one is like, okay, it seems like we may have an Adam Gase, like Zach Miller, kind of like some tricks coming. For that one. So it, this is a, a risky upside play, but if you are desperate for a tight end, this could be one that you're looking for. Carolina also, the the interesting part here, the Cam-Sacks situation. I wouldn't play Cam in uh, fantasy
0: really? this week. Because I feel like he's back to being the Cam that fantasy fans it's, love. They're letting him run the around rushing. and score it's touchdowns. Rushing, so that's what I mean. But
1: I don't... Uh, this defense, with the inside and outside, so like Cam Wake and the, and the pressure situations and Sue in the middle, this defense, now that, that front the, the defensive front is where Cam could have some problems okay. in this one. But I don't, like I said, I'm not saying don't play him if you – I don't know who your other option – I hate when people right. in a I don't know who else say, you have available. I don't understand start-sits. That's another thing we can right. talk about. But, like, you know, in this case, Cam's not my top – and not in my top ten quarterbacks okay. this week.
0: All right. So that is uh, every game. Let's uh, recap by asking you to, I guess, slot in some of uh, – what we, we call it the confidence index, mm-hmm. the predictions or the – Numbers that were spit out by your models that you feel most confident in?
1: Uh-oh, the first one, I, it makes me feel bad.
0: Ah, oh, the Jags, most confident. In a, who would have guessed that the Jaguars were so dominant that they would be number one in your confidence well, index? okay, it's not i I'm necessarily- crossing the country for nothing? <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> Cynthia. You're not
1: crossing the country for nothing. It's more that we're going to see more points in that one than their defenses, than each defense might— Kind of When you close your eyes and you think of these two teams, you think of defense for each team, right? Yeah,
0: last four, I think the Chargers are allowing an average of 12.9 points right. per Both game. Both defenses
1: are great. I think we're going to see more offense in this gotcha. one. So I just think it's going to be more offensive fun than you might have okay. originally anticipated. What else we got? NFC North teams just think they're all going to score more points this week than we originally expected, even the Packers. So Detroit over Cleveland, I think more points than you might expect. I think Minnesota and Washington, I think that game's going to have more offense than you might expect. And Chicago and Green Bay, points.
0: Okay. All right, that brings us to the centerpiece of this week's Game Theory podcast. Earlier, Cynthia, you had a chance to sit down in person Across from a granite countertop with two time All Pro left tackle Andrew Whitworth. You talked about why he signed with the Rams as a 35 year old free agent. I'm sure LA had a little something to do with it. The toughest pass rushers to block and why Nick Saban is uh, a big influence on his career. Here it is.
1: I'm here with the LA Rams left tackle Andrew Whitworth, who's a four time father. A three time Pro Bowler, an all pro, the founder of the Big Wit 77 Foundation, and he's actually appearing on Game Day Morning this Sunday, November 12th, where we'll see some awesome work that he's done with some veterans. Thank you so much, Andrew, for your time. I know that you, I think you kind of know that I did like a kind of a study and you were the archetype for that study, but we'll get into that in a second. But thank you so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate it.
2: Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I look forward to uh, this opportunity and get to uh, do this and see where we can go.
1: Okay, so since this pod is all about understanding and viewing football through the lens of numbers, but not just random stats, rather contextual situational trends that are actually important to playing football and winning games, we're going to do a warm-up. Three questions. I'm ready. You're going to tell me if it's more or less. Since you were not on the Rams last season, you were with the Cincinnati Bengals, we're going to see the difference between before you were here and after you were here. Got all it? All right, I'm in. Okay, so the first one, the, more or less, the Rams' total points scored so far this November in one game versus the entire month of November in 2016?
2: Ooh, I'm going to go – it's got to be less.
1: So, 51 points against the Giants last week. The entire month of November last year, 50 points. Wow. More points. So, already in one game. Mm. Okay, question number two. More or less than two. So, the difference in number of times Jared Goff is sacked per game this season is the reduction more or less than two sacks per game.
2: Um – I'm going to go more.
1: Yeah, you're right. Do you want to take a guess of how much more? I don't. 2.4 per game. So, last year, seven games, 26 sacks. That's 3.7. This year, in eight games, only 10 sacks, 1.3. Okay, last one. More or less than one. The increase in yards per rushing attempt when the Rams run behind their left tackle, that'd be you, this year. So, has the increase been more or less than one yard per attempt?
2: Um... More? Yeah, more again. Two. Oh, man.
1: Last year, 3.7 yards per rush behind the left tackle. That was number 24 in the NFL this season. 5.71, which is actually the same as when you were at the Bengals. Kind of hey, amazing, right? Hey, what do you know? What do you know? And by the way, that's number four in the NFL. Pretty good. Not bad. Yeah. You like those? Yeah. <laughs>
2: that old guy can get off the couch still. <laughs>
1: oh, stop it. Stop it. All right, so like I told you before, I wrote a model. So in 2015, your all-pro year, I asked, how can I understand O-linemen a little bit better? So I asked a whole bunch of coaches, and there's this idea that O-linemen are kind of a dying breed, like really good O-linemen in the NFL. are not as You don't see them as often as you used to. Right. So I said, who can I write a model for that contextualizes really good tackles? Because I can see the tackles because I didn't play, so guards are harder, centers are harder, tackles are easier. Right. And they're like, just check out this guy, Andrew Earth. How tall are you?
2: Six seven. Yeah, that
1: helps. And you can actually stay lower than the majority of your peers. Did you know that?
2: I didn't know that. Okay,
1: so what I did was I took all of your video and I measured your center of gravity when y- the play started and as you were backing up. I mean, backing up is important. Why?
2: Uh, very important to keep your depth and stay in front of the quarterback. And stay low. Oh, yeah.
1: Yep, because then your you quarterback get over. doesn't get exactly. sacked. exactly. So you can stay low for about almost a full second longer than the average left tackle.
2: Wow. Yeah. Pretty that's pretty cool, interesting.
1: right? Yeah, it's about three seconds. Doesn't seem, probably seems a lot longer on the field. No, it,
2: it seems a whole lot longer. <laughs> <than that. laughs> but uh, two
1: is two is about two to two point one is average. You're about three. Hmm. It's pretty. That's good. interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. No, you didn't know that.
2: <laughs> that's a fun fact.
1: Do you look at any stats when you're? Do you um, kind of keep track of any pressures, sacks allowed?
2: Uh, I don't do a lot. I mean, obviously playing as long as I have and being kind of uh, my style, I, I keep up with that pretty much in my head. But um, So I kind of have a feel for what I feel like is too much or, or uh, a pressure or something where I feel like, hey, maybe you know I'm too close or something. But usually for me uh, that involves time. If If the play is longer, I'm not as worried about that as much as initial. So I think initial pressure is usually – one of the biggest factors that hurt quarterbacks is just that uh, that initial get the ball in the hands and make them have to take their eyes off the, the coverage is uh, seems to be one of the most detrimental things to those guys.
1: Absolutely. So when you're facing some nasty pass rushers, can it, can you give us the, like, one or two who are just absolutely monsters when you go up against them?
2: Well, I would say probably in, in his heyday, I don't know if anybody was better than Dwight Franey. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I always say to people, you know, J.J. Watt's been a tremendous player. Von Miller's a, a great player. But uh, the truth is, if you go look in, Va- in, in Dwight Freeney's career. He's
1: had a good – uh, look, the, the Seahawks picked him up. He's doing pretty well.
2: Well, I mean, you look at it, though. Go look at how many times he ever was single with a tackle compared to those guys. I mean, Vaughn and JJ get a lot more one-on-ones than he ever imagined. Because I know, because I played him multiple times in game plans and watched him. I mean, there's there just wasn't a game plan where a tackle – blocked him one-on-one in pass protection I mean every every plan was how many people can you hit him with and chip him with and bang him with and do everything else and then you block him you know I mean he's one of those guys who's just a rare rare breed of a pass rusher do you think um, that
1: he's following you back into the division
2: man I, th- I feel like it he just haunts me constantly um but no you know he's one of those guys that you know there's not many guys in the league I, I can say that was some good confidence and feel good about it that I have multiple sacks against me he's one of them so um you know he's a tremendous player and then Elvis Dumerville uh you know when he was at the top of his game was was exceptional uh as well um but you know I think obviously I had a lot of great battles with James Harrison and, and Terrell Suggs back in the day so I, I'll always keep those guys way up there just because down in and down out I thought they were guys who affected the game they weren't just get sack guys they were guys that you know you weren't going to run the football through the direction uh, then they were going to rush you well too and I just had a lot of respect for guys that play every down and, and did that down and down out kind of like an offensive lineman so I think for us linemen we respect those guys a little more than we do the situational rushers and the guys who kind of come in for a situation and win
1: I love all of that because that's the kind of stuff that like you can see it only when the sack happens. You can't see the kind of in the trench every single down action like that. So it's good to know like which numbers to look for as, you know, us outsiders are kind of paying attention inside. So when you transition from the Bengals to the Rams, different coach, obviously different style. Kind of what has been the maybe one or two things that has been different being out here in L.A. versus Cincinnati?
2: Well, I think coaching-wise and style, I mean, obviously going from Paul Alexander and and really what I was taught there for 11 years – and kind of uh, where we worked together of, of, you know, learning from each other. And then coming in with Aaron Cromer, I knew there was going to be things that were going to be a different transition. I mean, it's what was his style, what were things he would want, you know. And I think that, um, honestly, it's been tremendous. I mean, Aaron's been amazing and uh, got a ton of respect for him, and and I think he's done a tremendous job. Um, So really just kind of picking up some little things that he thought uh, would be good for my game and and then, uh, you know, just kind of, Playing off of each other, of what he wanted from me and what he wants done, and how I feel, you know, comfortable being able to do it, and you know, it's been, uh, it's been an awesome experience. It was definitely different. But, uh, you know what, uh, that's why I signed up for it. I mean, I, I wanted a new challenge. I wanted something to challenge myself and say, hey, you know what, people are going to think you're crazy, you're 35, you're moving teams.
1: There's nothing and, wrong with being 35.
2: You know, I mean, yeah, but in the league, that's uh, <laughs> it's it's up there. So, you know, I mean, just I didn't, you know, I knew people would think that was crazy. But, you know, in Cincinnati I had every comfort level known to man. I mean, you know. Uh, But I wanted to not be comfortable. I wanted to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and and finding a new home and changing and challenging myself. So I was excited about that.
1: Perfect. So your coach is actually younger than you by, I don't know what, if you're 35, he's 31, four years, something like that. Do you feel that at all?
2: Uh, You know what? With that guy, you really don't. Um, at times, uh, yes. I mean, there'll be little things that I can realize he's younger than me. But you know what? With the most impressive thing, and I continue to say this when people ask, is that, uh, yeah, he's crazy intelligent. He has great passion, enthusiasm, all those things. But his ability to sit in front of a room and communicate is exceptional. I mean, it's... Up there with, you know, I would put it with the great speakers of any time and anybody, you want. I mean, he is great at sitting in front of a room and delivering a message and talking to people and communicating in a way that you just sit there and listen, you know, and, and every anyone that's ever sat in a room and heard somebody speak that they were like, wow, that was great. They know what I'm talking about. Just that feeling of you didn't even really think about how long it took you just kind of were engaged and you listened and they communicated it so good to you that you understood it. Uh, he's he's just tremendous at being able to do that.
1: So when I think about coaches you've had, I obviously can't help but think about Nick Saban, right? When you went to college, that's where you went down at LSU. I want to know kind of, so when I kind of map players and their tendencies as well as where they've been coached, I feel like anyone who's been coached by Nick, you have an advantage, right? Because yeah. in my opinion, those are the people whose their their college stats translate better to the NFL I don't know if it's I'm not sure why but can you get us some give us some insight into that
2: yeah I mean Nick is one of those guys funny enough uh I, I don't think we've spoke to each other since he left LSU but it's just through looks you just, um, all you do is like
1: look you just know
2: I don't you know but it's uh it's I would single hand I would say that he's probably one of the biggest influences in my life in sports as far as football goes I mean it just uh his day in and day out focus and really the things that he taught that were important as far as the process and and, you know, the daily, every day finding a way to be better at what you do and that being the only thing that matters to you. The only thing that you really don't even you know hard for people to understand, you don't even care about wins and losses. You really care about did you conquer that day and the process of that day and every moment of that process of that day. And then that translate to down the road wins because eventually before you know it, you you've become a winner because your process is winning every single individual day.
1: Were you a little torn between Alabama and LSU this past weekend?
2: Uh, I'm not torn, but I have a uh, – you know, it's uh, – I'm an LSU guy, but at the end of the day I have a ton of respect for Nick Saban, and, mm-hmm. and obviously we won a championship together, so uh, there's a special bond there. And, and honestly, it's one of the things I think about when I'm done. I'm like, man, I can't wait to go find the guy and just say hello because, I mean, I, like I said, I literally haven't spoke to him since, uh, I don't know, 2004 or three, whenever it was he left us. So it's been quite a while.
1: I'm sure it'll be the same though. I really uh, yeah. think like legitimately it's like all in a look yeah that, oh yeah that,
2: that I, uh, no yeah for sure there'll that, be a mutual respect there I believe um, I think he, he probably respects that too I mean just the fact that I've gone off and just done my job basically
1: I think you are someone that he'd probably look to and be like yeah that's He did all right. I mean, 12 years, a bunch of success, a lot of, yeah. So looking at the second half of your season, it's going to get, at least from kind of every measure of strength of schedule, it's going to get a little bit harder in the second half versus the first half, just by virtue of if you look at turnover differential, point differential, and the win losses of the teams you're facing versus the teams that you've already faced. How are you kind of, what's different this year? Like this has got to be, got to feel a little different, right? This, you obviously weren't on the Rams last year, but like this Rams team feels like it has some magic and has something different going on.
2: It does. I mean there's a great energy uh in our group and just really in our team, um, throughout the entire building. I've I've been very uh surprised and really kinda a little bit blown back by just how good the chemistry is. I mean, um I've been very impressed with the strength staff, the, the training staff, really the coaching staff, everyone really how they work together, the plans they have in place. I mean, to really consider it's their first year altogether, it's it's uh it is insanely impressive. I mean, I've never really seen uh, organization like they have it. I mean, even in college, everything. I mean, they uh, they they have a process to every day, and uh, you can tell that it's um, very driven by people that they feel like are, are good at what they do and they let them do their jobs. And, um, you know, that that part's been impressive. And so I think what really is going to help us in this stretch is that these guys have a process every week that we go through and it really doesn't change. And so um, I think Even that's, when you're
1: up by like three touchdowns, it doesn't, doesn't change. <laughs> you know, and, and,
2: you know, the first thing we got in the locker room and talked about after the game was just raising the standards and, and trying to find a way to every single day, find a way to get better at what you do and and that 1% that you can find a way to gain. And, I mean, that was really the only thing guys want to talk about after the game. It's not, oh, man, you know what, last time we played these guys it was this or we put up this many points or the defense had this many turnovers. Um, You know, I would say we're focused and and we're driven, and uh, I love this group. The energy and and everyday attitude has been impressive. And so uh, I think we look forward to it. I I think these guys, you got to look at what they've been through. I mean – Majority of them, uh, I know Roger Saffel was saying it the other day. I think his best record is seven, eight, and one, or something that he's had since he's been there. I mean, it's you know, so I mean, for these guys, it's like you're going to give me a chance to have success. Like they're going to give everything they got for that moment, and so it's cool to have guys that I think uh, there's been some talent that just haven't had it yet that are sitting there going, you know what, they can almost taste it, and they're like, man, whatever I have to give to get more of it, I'm willing to give. And so it's just fun to see a locker room change in that way.
1: I love that. Okay, so something a little bit lighter. When is the last time that you had the ball in your hands?
2: um well i think you know,
1: we saw last weekend oakland a tnc marshall yeah. um yeah. that know, was kind of a that was a move right there
2: yeah you know it was aggressive at least he went you know what it, you can't fault the guy for jumping in with two feet i mean he just you know he went for it but he uh did. he went for it if uh you, you know
1: think, i mean it's a pretty uh, like that was a move like there's there's some athletic like yeah, marshall uh, newhouse like there for you go a,
2: for about a split second or two it did it looked great um <laughs> But, no, you know what? I've, I've obviously recovered some fumbles here and there, but uh, the only time I've, like, truly had it in my hands and standing up, for that matter, uh, <laughs> is on my birthday, 2010-12-12. I caught a touchdown pass against the St- uh, Pittsburgh Steelers on the opening drive of the game. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and, actually, my wife was pregnant with twins, and I did not tell her that we had that play-in that week. Um, so it was quite a surprise to her uh, when it happened on the first drive of the game.
1: I mean, that's incredible. I love that. And we were actually talking right before we started doing this interview, and your wife and I actually agreed, and your son agreed, you need to get one more Pro Bowl at least because you only have three Pro Bowls and you have four kids, so you have to dedicate one for each kid.
2: Yeah, we're going to have to find a way. I, I'm, uh, I don't I'll, know, I'll though. Vote. It's going it's to be pretty hard at the 35 to find a Pro Bowl, but we'll see. Stop Who knows?
1: I, I'm calling it right now. Right. I'm going to project it right now. Oh, boy. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Really look forward to watching you. Good luck for the rest of the season. I know all of us around the NFL Network have really high hopes. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much. I enjoyed being on.
0: You know, I, it was it was a great conversation. Uh, he's a very thoughtful um, Interview subject. The the one thing that, that jumps out at me, Cynthia, and, and I'm sure we can probably, because we're in LA, you know, when the season's over, get Sean McVay in here. Um, to me, when he got hired, he was just a walking motivational poster. You know, I, it, it is not my style. I'm not the rah rah, nope. cliche ridden. No, I've got like these. That. No, I don't. Um, but when you hear guys that are. You know, that are 35 that are vets and have been around the block and have listened to multiple coaches spread their message. It is remarkable how much these players love that guy and believe in that guy. And as Andrew said in there, you know, you have guys like Roger Saffold who have been through, you know, five, six years and and have never seen a winning record. Right. Um, Winning
1: really helps everything. And I, but I do think it was cool how Andrew really, when he talks about Sean, he's like, look, he just commands presence. Like you, you listen to him. You, Take to what he's, you know, you take what he's saying really seriously, and he's very present. So yeah, you, I cool. mean, that's
0: what you always hear. What makes a successful head coach? You know, they always say they they believe in what they say. There's mm-hmm. no BS. Their message is what they believe in every single minute of every single day, and that, as hard as it is for me to fathom, a human being being like a Tony Robbins sort of motivational speaker in football. That's what Sean McVay is, and it works. And they buy in, and why wouldn't they? It's the number one scoring offense in the NFL. Last, they, you said it in there, you know, they scored more points in one game in November than they did the entire month last year. Um, so why wouldn't you buy into that? Um, it, it, makes, it makes sense. It's always funny, too, listening to players... Um, when you ask them about, hey, who's the toughest? Who was it? Because they don't like doing that for no. whatever reason. They just don't. So I, know, it's, I, I know.
1: I know. It, it's, a a, little... it's fun
0: to hear their reserves sort Or of, well, you know, but yeah, all right. Elvis was pretty good. And, you know, it, it is fun to go. Through I like that, that,
1: that Dwight Freeney's trolling him, though. Yes. Like, I like that he's like following him to the NFC West. Right. <laughs> he's like, I'm coming for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, again, that was great. And hopefully, that's something that'll be a feature moving forward. You and a conversation with an O lineman, because it's been Sean O'Hara, I, you know Andrew I like Whitworth. O-lineman. Uh Coming up next week, it's going to be uh, Tony Baselli, as a matter of fact, <laughs> is who you're going to uh, sit down with. All right. Remember, if you don't mind, please share if you like the podcast uh, with your Twitter followers, with your Facebook friends. Uh, you can chat snap it to all your Snapchat folks. Uh, if you snap haven't face. yet, be sure. Yes, exactly. Insta-face. Snap face it. Uh, subscribe to the podcast through iTunes it's available on Google Play you can stream it on Stitcher if you don't mind we keep asking you to do things um, to do things for We're us very bossy. Uh, a rating and a review and speaking of which that brings us to the review of the week here we go from PKT3s great podcast but the dude needs to stop interrupting Cynthia so much because <laughs> she is on point Good pod though. Keep it up.
1: Listen, the pod would be 4 That's hours it. long if he didn't inter- I, interrupt me. I would
0: love to be the dude. I mean <laughs> the I dude. actually I I just ordered my cardigan zip-up sweater. I am going to go get me a uh, white russian right now. You should. The dude abides. You're
1: not wrong, Walter. You're P- just yes. a
0: <laughs> PK PKT3. The dude abides. All oh, Cynthia next week. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody for listening. We certainly appreciate it.